Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It does feel a little bit reminiscent of the 10-game run to get into the playoffs at the moment, like you're just building the, the start of something. Even the players last night joining with the fans and singing the Bertrand Traore song is very reminiscent of the, the Twanzabi and the Courtney Hall songs that we had in the, in the championship years and the Alay Alay Alays. I asked you know, whether he thought what you know what Emery had done for him and his answer was pretty simple and a bit of a surprise really he just said simpler um I feel more free in midfield under him whereas I was a bit more restricted in uh, under other managers I think Dean Smith probably tried to play in too much as a defensive midfielder and it didn't quite work I do think the atmosphere at Villa Park in those 10 games did help carry Villa over the line into getting into the into the playoffs and going and winning it. I'm hoping we can get the same kind of momentum now with everyone singing from the, from the same hymn sheet and, and pulling in the same direction because I do think the atmosphere at Villa Park sometimes is lacking. I think now is now's the time that it really needs to take off and we need to do our bit. The 1874 show by the Villa View. Hello, welcome to the 1874 podcast. It is the morning after the night before. A weary Greg Evans has joined me fresh from getting back from Leicester. Just incredible scenes in the away end last night. Probably not quite as jubilant in the press box, Greg. But at the moment, it must be an unbelievable time to, to cover Villa because this is, it's kind of come from nowhere a little bit. The Villa are now genuine European contenders? Did they get the Greg Evans seal of approval for being genuine European contenders now, sat in seventh? Yep, hello, Dan. And oh, yes, of course they do. They, they are genuine <laughs> It takes a lot to get the Greg Evans approval on yeah, these things. Well, well, look, even Uno Emery said that they were contenders last night So when I asked him in, in, in the press conference. So um, if he's saying it, then I certainly am going along with that too. Anything that man says, I'll listen to. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an absolute genius, isn't he? I mean, that's, that seems to be the mantra of the players. At the moment as well, and the fans as well now, everything just feels as one again. We did, we did a show last night literally straight after the game. And it's always funny doing a show straight after the game because you don't really have any time to collect your thoughts. And I always feel like it's a, it, it's a bit of a mess, but people seem to enjoy it. Thanks ever so much for all those that tuned in. Absolutely incredible numbers on last night's show. But we said on that that 
it does feel like it's all pulling in the in the same direction now, and it, it does feel a little bit reminiscent of the 10-game run to get into the playoffs at the moment, like you're just building the, the start of something. Even the players last night joining with the fans and singing the Bertrand Traore song is very reminiscent of the the Twanzabi and the Courtney Hall songs that we had in the in the championship years in the LA, LA, LA. So there are certain things that are, are coming together now. And as fans, in that run, I felt every week Villa were going to win. And I feel like that again now, Greg. Yeah, I wish I'd done the podcast with you last night because I'm feeling a little bit worse for wear this morning. I, I bet you I haven't drank anything. I haven't. No, I haven't drank mm. anything. I probably probably feel better if I did. Um, I haven't. I haven't had, actually had much sleep now because I've been doing a couple of articles uh, on the back of the game. You know, one that one that went out this morning on the Athletic, just explaining a little bit about. Uh, the process of, of how Villa signed Una Emery and, and why they were right to do that at the time. Um, you know, the, the the way that Steven Gerrard was sacked after that horrible night at Fulham, um, you know, you felt like it was only going one way at that at that point anyway. But um the you know the decision to sack Gerrard actually in Craven Cottage was was criticised a little bit in some circles, you know, within within football. I mean um, I don't God knows why. I think it was just the delivery of it, you know, the fact oh, that you okay. know maybe wait until the morning and do it. That that's just that was just some suggestions from from some people in the industry. But um, my point now was that the way that Villa acted with with Clarita, um and and you know realised that they couldn't they couldn't keep Gerard in any longer and had to change, and have now obviously gone and got Unai Emery. It was a decision that you know was really worth taking and. You know, obviously, but um, uh, you know, I've I've gone into a lot of detail in the article, so so go and go and have a read of that. I won't, won't you know go go over that now. Here we'll we'll talk about different things, but um, it was just a, a note because obviously you know the supporters are singing about Perslow going to Spain in, in his Lamborghini, etc., etc. I know it's a little bit of fun, but it was just a play on that to 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 try and um, explain a little bit more about the process behind it. And yeah, you know, while some other clubs are are, are probably uh, taking a little bit. Of time on deciding whether they should stick with their manager. I mean, we, we look at Chelsea with Graham Potter, um, Leicester who have just sacked their manager in, in, in Brendan Rodgers and have moved on um, part of ways. And perhaps Nottingham Forest at, at the weekend as well. So that's going to be three teams that have left it very, very late in the season to make a difference. Whereas Villa acted decisively early in the season and, and realised that the form at the back end of last season and the start of this season was not good enough and that they um, had to make a decision and look, you know, what they did to, to get Emery in with enough time to turn things around. Um, I don't think anyone at the club envisaged it being this good uh, because, you know, only Arsenal have, have won more games than Villa since Emery was appointed. But the fact that he had a lot of time to, to work some of his magic um, has been really beneficial to Villa. So I've gone a little bit off track there. What was your question? Dan? I can't even remember, Greg, but I was enjoying, <laughs> this. I was enjoying listening to what, to what you said And anyway. Just everything Emery seems to do at the moment just seems to, to come off again. I'm repeating myself a little bit. Because we should say Greg and I had a plan for what we were going to talk about in this show today. And it was absolutely unrelated to the to, to the game last night. But because of the way Villa won and they sit seventh in the table now, the first time Villa have been in that kind of position at this stage of the season since the Martin O'Neill days, we felt we had to cover last night's game and we, we've moved our other topic for, for another time. But everything Emery seems to do at the moment just seems to work. You know, it says what a good manager is that, he, you know, he changed the game against Chelsea by bringing Chambers on. I've not spoken to you since that game. You know, he took advantage perhaps of, you know, a negative in the Kamara going off and turned it into a positive by bringing Chambers on and, and changing things up a bit. And even last night when he makes a sub with like five minutes left, he brings three players on and you just kind of think, 
it's a bit too late. Nothing's going to happen here. No one's really going to have time to come on and, and make an impact or do anything here. The game, the game's going to fizzle out and Villa again won't have broken down a team with, with 10 men with a, with a little bit of time to do so. Bertrand Traore just comes on and with his second touch of the ball just scores an absolute worldy finish for, from nowhere. So everything that Emery does at the moment, he just seems to have the Midas touch, Greg. Yeah, everything seems to be turning to gold, doesn't it? I mean, it's... In isolation, you can't really say it was Emery that that, that that changed that game in terms of what Traore did. It was a misplaced pass by Mendy, um, a hopeful shot from Traore, which we've seen him do many on, on many occasions. And he can produce that moment of magic, kind of. He's one of these frustrating players that often goes through games. Um, you don't see him too much, but then he does something unbelievable. And, and you think, well, that's probably why he's worth having around. Um is he the long-term answer to, to Villa's attacking issues? Probably not. You know, it's something we, we could maybe consider him. It's a £20 million pound player, though, Greg. It cost, it cost Villa a hell of a lot of money yeah, back, I mean, look, a few yeah, years as, ago. As I say, it's something we can maybe monitor in, in the weeks and, and months ahead if he, if he starts playing a little bit more. But um, I've got a story going out on The Athletic tonight just explaining a little bit about um, why he was, was shipped out on loan to, to Turkey and his issues with, with Steven Gerrard and, and why he's in a much better place now. Under and I am have um, have a look out for that, um, but yeah, with Emery, look, you know, th- there's no coincidence that Villa are, are are winning games regularly now because they're putting. It... I almost feel like the harder they work, the the more lucky they get in in that respect. I mean, we, we can analyse every game in, in isolation and say, well, Chelsea had 27 shots. You know, most of the teams will, will score. You know, if they have 27 shots in a game and so many opportunities, um, you look at Leicester, about a misplaced pass right at the end, a VAR decision that went in their favour. Some of the other games that Villa have played in haven't been quite convincing. I remember we did a podcast uh, when I'd come back from from a holiday in January and uh, I'd watch some of the games back at, against Southampton and Leeds. And, you know, they were slender victories for Villa. And, and yeah, there is an element of a little bit of good fortune in there, a little bit of perhaps riding their luck. But... There's, there's no coincidence that if a team keeps on winning games, um, you know, there's there's a method behind that. Clearly, yeah. they're working hard in training. There's there's a, there's an identity developing. They're working hard for each other, which you can see. Um, and I just think when, when a team's got that togetherness, that unity, that belief, that's why the, the results come. So it will be unfair to criticise Villa and say that they're just riding their luck because there's a lot more that's going into it. And as good as Emery has been, we really do have to focus on the players because... I'm I'm always somebody, as you know, Dan. When play, when managers are under under fire, and there's been a lot at Villa in in the time that I've covered them, I often put it onto the players because I think players have got to go out and do that. That you know that they're letting the manager down a little bit if they're not performing or they're not doing what he's asked. Um, but so credit to the players now for doing exactly what the manager is asking of them and executing the game plan because it's working brilliant and and it's not for everyone, you know that. The, the long video sessions, the meticulous planning. Some days earlier in the in the season, they weren't getting any midweek days off. Some weeks, so you know it, it's been it's been a long slog for a footballer, <laughs> a Villa, no, no. and and they've had to really put in the effort. So fair play to them as well. You know it's working. Yeah, um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because when the results are bad, people do look at the look look, look at the manager. And as as Villa fans at the moment, I think we the results are going well and everything's going good, and we're looking at the manager, which is perhaps a, a little bit unusual. But you're right, the players deserve a huge amount of credit. I mean, I don't know whether you saw it. There was a Ollie Watkins interview with Tubes last week, and he was saying he loves a video session, Unai Emery. The video sessions are are long. But you only have to look at him, scored again. 
last night, Ollie Watkins, his form now is bordering on the, on the, on the absolute ridiculous. He's just a little tweak to his game from Emery, because I don't think Emery's reinvented the wheel, really, with what he's actually told him to do. Now, I'm sure it's more complicated than, than what Ollie Watkins said in his interview about being told to stay close to the goal, stay, stay in the middle of the pitch. And he's finishing at the moment. He's scoring all all, right, all types of goals, all different ranges of uh, finishes on Ollie Watkins. But the improvement in, in his game, the improvement in Concer, Mings, McGinn. Now, these are players that were getting written off in, in some quarters of the, of the Villa fan base. By Villa not really doing anything in January, what Unai Emery's done is he's concentrated on the players that are already there. And he's improved so many of their games. I can't think of a player really that, that hasn't improved under his tutelage, maybe maybe Leon Bailey would be, be the only one. Maybe maybe Luca Dean would be the only two that I could pull out. But they're kind of both in and out of the team at the moment, so it's difficult to to get any consistency from them. But every player has improved. Even if you think of the goalkeeper, Emmy Martinez, the Leicester game at home, he's kicking the ball out of play nonstop. He couldn't get enough of, of chipping the ball over the fullbacks and then kicking it into the uh, the Trinity or the Doug Ellis in that game. But even since then, he's kind of reset as well, and his distribution has, has been a lot better. The improvement in the players that are already there is just something I've I've never seen a manager make so much difference to to a group of players coming in. Concert was starting to go a little bit downhill under Dean Smith, and then I think he really plateaued under Gerard. Unai Emery's coming, and then suddenly like Martinez, Mings, Concert, they're back to being the walls that they were in that lockdown season where nobody but you could go, Greg. <laughs> yeah, even I couldn't go to some of the games. I was, I was that's true. The away only got one yeah. one pass to the away games. So, uh, so yeah, I, I didn't go to all of them. But, yeah, no, I, I take your point. There's, there's huge improvements across the board. And there aren't many managers, uh, you know, across the Premier League in, in more recent times that have, that have had this sort of transformative impact. I mean, Eddie Howard at Newcastle. It's you, quite you similar, look, actually, isn't it, the two? It's really, it's really similar. similar. Yeah, you know, you, you've, Howe took over from, from Steve Bruce, where lots of players were underperforming. The same with Steven Gerrard. Lots of players were underperforming under him at Villa. Um, how come in and and and, and Newcastle have been completely revolutionised and under him, um, Pochettino when when he took over at, at Tottenham, taking over from from Tim Sherwood had a similar effect, um, but there aren't too many other examples. So Villa have struck lucky with with Unai Emery. I say lucky because uh, you know other clubs could have pounced on him at that point when when he was um, when he was coming when he was coming in back in in November. He decided that. You know, his time at Villarreal was up at that point. They were in the Europa Conference League only, having already won the Europa League, having got to the Champions League semi-final under, under Emery. So he felt that he'd sort of taken that club as, as far as he could go and he wanted a new opportunity. Villa came in with the, with the perfect challenge for him. Um, but look, you know, a lot of credit has also got to go to the owners, Christian Perslow, that, you know, the, the three of them, Nassif Suiris, Wes Edens and, and Christian Perslow between them. Put together the deal to to, to get Emery here. That the funds that Sawiris and Edens continue to plow in uh, make this project really ambitious for players and managers to take on. And we it's getting there now. It, you know, it feels like this was a, it felt like it was a turning point last night for me. The the way that the players, as you say, done earlier in, earlier in the pod when they were celebrating in front of the away fans. The away fans were exceptional last night. You know, singing throughout the game, all game. I haven't heard that. For a very long time, for, from from Villa fans, just because it's been so painful going away from home for, for so many years, they're really buying into it now. They're loving it. They're loving going away from home. Villa have scored in every single game under Emery. I mean, we, do, we were so porous under alone. Gerard, weren't we? So yeah, porous. That, yeah, but that but the fact that they're scoring, not not so I much know. keeping keeping clean sheets. The fact that they're scoring every game 
is is you know is fantastic. They're on the longest um, consecutive run of, of scoring goals in games across the division, you know, and, and that's ahead of Man City and Arsenal. So there's just so many positives at the moment, um, and the fact they've only conceded one goal from outfield playing six games is another huge bonus. Yeah, I mean, I need to stop doing this because I do keep. I think it helps the, the context. I do need to stop doing it because I'm actually annoying myself with it by going back to the previous manager all the time. But if I go back to January under Steven Gerrard, yeah, there was a manager there that was adamant. I need this. I need that. We need new players. We need this. We need that. The players there aren't good enough. I actually find it really refreshing that Emery didn't do that in in January. Now I looked back at a few. I looked back over Twitter last night. A few replies to tweets I'd done. In, in January, and some Villa fans were absolutely losing their mind that we did we didn't buy anyone. I know we bought Moreno and, and Duran, but you know, I mean, that we didn't significantly strengthen the squad in January. But actually, again, I just think this shows what a, what a good manager Unai Emery is. That he did he didn't want to rush. No need. I don't I don't need anyone. I'll just I'll just work with with what I've got. Do you think he could have envisaged that it would have gone the, as well as it is going at the moment in January? No, I don't think so. I, I, we ran out of time with him last night. I was going to ask him that exact question, but we ran Next out of time, time so I'll get him on that on Friday. But it uh, will be interesting to see if he answers that honestly, because I'm sure that everybody in the club thinks that it's going better than um, that, than they could have imagined, which, let's be honest, me and you know that. you know, Villa have won 10 games under Emery. It's ridiculous. We didn't expect it to be this good. Um, so... I don't think he was entirely happy in in January. Uh, you know, there were players that he had targeted that Villa weren't able to to get done. Um, there, there were certainly a couple of positions that he wanted to strengthen, and he just realised that there's no point in signing players for the sake of it. There were there were a couple of specific names that he'd put to the club. They weren't able to get those signings done, so he decided, no, we'll, you know, we'll wait. We'll bring Bertrand Traore back. See what he's See what he's got. His goal against Leicester last night will, will you know, make it probably worthwhile bringing him back. Just, if he justified already, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to do anything. He's he's justified that recall just with that goal alone. Um, and yeah, his decision was: look, you know, there are players I want. Can't get them in January. Let's see if we can get them in the summer. Um, and hopefully, we'll be around the sort of mid-table positions by then. We uh, look a little bit more of an attractive uh, proposition for for players to come in. But now they're at, they're at an even higher level where they could potentially be going to signings and saying, well, look, we finished sixth, we finished seventh, we finished eighth, maybe at worst. Um, this is the run that we've been on. This is how ambitious we are for the future. This is what we can offer you. Come and join our club. We, we, we're a project that people want to be a part of. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think Villa are suddenly becoming a, an attractive proposition. I don't, obviously, you you know, you're with, you're with the press. All, all the time, and as I told this story the other day on the Villa View that when I was at Leicester last week, obviously they were he was coming up to them playing Villa. I was talking to another journalist about Villa, and I said Villa, are, Villa. This is before the Chelsea game, by the way. I said Villa are in the in the top four for for, for form in the Premier League since Unai Emery came in, and he was genuinely shocked when I, when I said that he had kind of gone a little bit under the radar. It feels now since Chelsea and last night, it isn't under the radar any, anymore. It's there. People are talking about. Villa getting into Europe. Do you think that changes things a little bit? Does that put any pressure on at all? Or do you think there's no pressure on it because no one was expecting it? I don't think there's pressure from within. I think they're really confident now and, and they believe that 
they believe in their methods and they believe that they can go and continue getting the re- this this run of results. You've still got Mings and, and McGinn in that team that that remember very well what it was like winning ten games in a row in the championship. I know it's a little bit different, but they do have that winning mentality and 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 that that Nelson experience. Um, they've got players that are really pumped up to to perform as well. Ollie Watkins just continues to score every week, so I think Villa can't go under the radar anymore because there's so many stories around them at the moment. Um, you know the fact that they're not conceding any goals, the fact that they're scoring every week, the fact that Watkins is scoring so often, the fact that Emery's come back to the Premier League and and he's showing actually that he you know he's he's an elite manager or close to an elite manager and didn't fully get the respect that he deserved at Arsenal. Um, and there are a lot of good performances and. Um, I, I just think they can't go under the radar for, for, for any longer because the results are just there for everyone to see. Yeah, I thought my phone might be a bit busier this morning from from media companies, but actually it hasn't been. I thought right now is the time. I think people are going to want want to talk about Villa on the on the nationals, but it hasn't hasn't come yet. Unless they've got someone else in to do, which is which is highly plausible. Like I, I guess that could happen. It just it does feel very reminiscent of of, of that time that, that Villa won ten games in a row in the championship. But we won how many have we won in a row now? Remind me, Greg. Three, two, two, only two. What was the result three, before? Three, sorry, three. Yeah, three. Uh, Bournemouth, Chelsea, and uh, Leicester. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying for one minute we're going to go and win ten, ten in a row here, but there is an excellent chance to go again against Forest on 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 Saturday, a home game. I think Villa Park will be will be pumped up now, and I do think the atmosphere at Villa Park in those ten games did help carry Villa over the line into getting into the mm. into the playoffs and going and winning it. I'm hoping. We can get the same kind of momentum now with everyone singing from the, from the same hymn sheet and, and pulling in the same direction. Because I do think the atmosphere at Villa Park sometimes is lacking. I think now's now's the time that it really needs to take off and we need to do our bit as fans. I think I think it's coming. I'm really looking forward to Saturday now. I'm so, so excited to get down to, to Villa Park again and, and watch them play because the, the lads deserve all the praise that's coming the way at the moment for everything that they're doing. You, you spoke to Douglas Louise last week. Didn't you know? It was quite a varied interview on The Athletic. You spoke about a few different things. But what did you... What do you garner from him about how things are at the moment? Did that give you an insight into how much things have improved under Emery? Yeah, no, nice guy. Um, actually, the first time I've ever interviewed him, and, and which is a <clears> bit of a surprise, really, because he's been at the club for what? Long serving, three and a half seasons, four, for nearly four seasons. So yeah, actually one of the longest serving players there, which uh, which was quite funny when when we when we when we discussed that. Yeah, so yeah, his English has come on uh, much better. He he could understand all the questions that I asked him. Um, but he just preferred to speak in Portuguese, so he did it through a translator, just oh, okay. because it, it was a bit more comfortable for him to to explain some of the um, bits that I asked him in, in a bit more detail. But yeah, you know, I suppose the key takeaways from from the interview was that he he feels like he's in the best form of his life. Um, he he feels like he you know he can either score or assist every week. Um, I asked him because so many other players have said that the manager has worked so closely with them on finer details and you know, physically moving them around the training ground to get them in the right positions um, and sending them video clips to study at home, etc. I, I asked, you know, Doug, whether he thought, you know, what Emery had done for him. And his answer was pretty simple and a bit of a surprise, really. He just said simpler, um, I feel more free in midfield under him, whereas I was a bit more restricted in uh, under other managers. I think Dean Smith probably tried to play him too much as a defensive midfielder and it didn't quite work. I think also when he has the support of uh, of quite a strong back four and, and Bubakar Kamara when he's in there, that helps. But also, probably the biggest compliment I can pay him is that 
in Kamara's absence, his form hasn't got any worse. And, and he's actually performing really well on his own merit and deserves the credit himself. So he's made look the most interceptions of any Villa midfielder. He's made the most passes into the final third of any midfielder. Um, I think he's got the joint amount of joints, joint highest amount of assists. He's scored in a couple of goals. Um, he's doing extra set piece coaching uh, with Austin McPhee who definitely deserves a mention because I think that Villa's set-piece routines are becoming much more varied um, and quite fun, actually, to watch. You know, Ashley Young went close with one last night and that was something straight off the training ground. So, yeah, Douglas Louise is a big part of that. But, yeah, he's just really happy at Villa. We, we, we spoke also about the, the links to Arsenal. You know, Arsenal were very, very interested in taking him on board. For, like, they bid £25 million pounds, um, back in September after he'd scored a goal directly from a corner at the Emirates. So a bit of a weird sort of 24 hours for him. I, I asked him a little bit about that, about how he felt. You know, because if, the, if the, the, the the team at the top of the Premier League come come um, are interested in you, it's going to turn your head. You're going to be interested. Did, did he so. want to go? Did you get the impression that he I, wanted to go? Because he wasn't really in the team at the time. I was shocked when he signed a new yeah. contract under Gerard because he was not a Gerard favourite at all. He'd always be the full guy, always find himself out of the team. Mm -hmm. So I was really surprised when he signed a new contract. And to be fair to him, I would have expected him to be a bit down, morale a bit low, could have gone to the team that were top at the time, wasn't in, in the Villa team. I think he deserves a lot of credit for keeping his head up and keeping yeah. going. And he's having a tremendous season. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, he said he said Villa didn't want to sell him, so which we know. You know, Villa Villa refused to sell him. Um, they weren't interested in, in the bids from Arsenal. So I, I couldn't get fully into the... the um, you know the mindset of whether he wanted to go or not, but he said, "Look, I remained very calm during during that twenty four hours. It had happened to him before when he was moving from from Brazil, and and there were plenty of other clubs interested in him. In him, he just said the only thing that was a little bit of a worry for him was that he, he his contract was expiring at, at Villa at that point. So um, Villa said to him during due, when Arsenal came in for him, "Look, we're going to keep you. We want you to stay. We'll sort your contracts out in the next few weeks ahead." And they stuck to their word. Rewarded him with a with a you know better deal on enhanced terms and and something that that he that he was obviously interested in, it was having that security and, and staying for a little bit longer. So, I think the fact that Villa were able to get him on a deal is is um, you know they deserve praise for that because obviously he's turning into a very important player for the team. Must be close to getting back in that Brazil squad. Got, can't be far off at all. Douglas Luiz, such a yeah. such a good footballer. I, mean, I remember when we started doing eighteen seventy four. Me and you were never sure about Douglas Luiz. I don't think we doubted no. him as a as a footballer. I think we thought he was a good footballer. I think we just like you said. I don't think we liked him being the lone defensive midfielder because at the start, as as you would, he did make mistakes and he did a few things that cost Villa goals. And I, I felt worried when he was a number six, but he, he came back after lockdown in fairness and was absolutely brilliant at the tail end of that season as well. Then maybe form fluctuated a little bit, very, very up and down in the, in the time. But I thought at the start of the season, he was very unlucky not to be in the team under Steven, under Steven Gerrard, because at the time I felt he was our best central midfield player. And you just watch him now. It's really anything he can't do in central midfield. And him and Kamara is a really nice partnership when Kamara's fully fit. And, you know, give McGinn credit as, as well. You know, you say about Louise's form hasn't been affected by Kamara not being in. Villa haven't noticed Kamara not being there because McGinn's That's been so I mean. good when he yeah, plays central. You know, it's all just two, working, isn't it? The two, the two of them have been excellent. Um, you know, Jacob Ramsey as well. I think Jacob Ramsey's turned, he's uh, showing a new side of his game. He's winning a lot of tackles and challenges. There's something I never really noticed or, or I didn't think he had sort of in his locker. I just expected him to gradually move into this sort of 
you know, number 10 type creative player that didn't really do too much of the hard yards, but he certainly does that now. So as a team, I think that midfield, um, you know, region's working really well. Yeah, when, again, I'm doing it again, when Gerard was picking that sign midfield three of Louise, McGinn and and Ramsey, I was thinking, I was just thinking this is not working. No. They're all, de- they're all good players, but what, for whatever reason, whatever we're doing, the way we're setting up is not suiting those players at the moment. It's great to see them now in a yeah. setup that gets the best out of them and gets them more work. Because I never for one minute thought they were bad players. I was just fed up of seeing that sign midfield wheeled out because it felt too easy to play through and that none of them were, were creating anything. So essentially... They were just shuttling between the lines as, as midfielders, allowing the fullbacks to bomb on. That wasn't working. Whereas now they're all getting to do the things that, that they're good at. And, it, and it's just great to see. It's, it's football simple sometimes. If you let players do the, the, the facets of the game that they're good at, they may play well. They'll probably play well, won't they? I mean, yeah, you, you say it's simple, but blimey. If you ever watch one of Emery's coaching sessions, the, the, I mean, you know. The have you, have you seen any? Have you seen any? I've seen some, yeah. The I've seen some elements of it, yeah, yeah. Not not um, at the training ground at, at Villa, but I've seen some elements of his of his sessions. Um, if you uh, if you th- if he's been at the club for five months, the work that he's put in for, during those five months, probably in a normal, you know, he's a normal full season work. He, he's really? worked. He's worked. I mean, he's, he's it's a bit of a cliche, but he's literally the first man in and the last man out you know he's there at sort of eight nine o'clock at some nights at Bodymore Heath just you know going over footage and preparing sessions and working on individual um you know movements that for, for various players and, and look you know honestly the, the level of detail it's just it's it's something else he he really has um put his heart and soul into this but he does that at any other job you know that's that's what he does that's what he's known for football you know again a cliche is his life he, you know, gives literally everything for it. Um, and I think what Villa benefited from was having that little break during during the World Cup period where they could practice things that he really wanted to implement and just get to know each other a little bit better. Because, you know, when you change your manager in the middle of the season, you don't usually get that break, you know, no. that period of togetherness where you can work on various things. And, yeah, there were some early saving problems, of course, and and we've we've seen how Villa's midfield struggled at times. You know, from the from the passing out from the back, Martinez had there was a few confusing moments with with Dendonka and Kamara and Louise and McGinn. You know, all at different times, but I just think having that little period during the World Cup certainly helped them. Even those growing pains when you've made the mistakes, <coughs> they 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 will have helped. You know, long long mm. term. Now our players look so comfortable in in possession when a Villa player picks up a ball in a tight space now. Sometimes I'm a little bit worried when it's near our own penalty box. But no, the midfielders pick the ball up sometimes on the halfway line and they manage to wriggle themselves out of trouble. And there's just always someone to pass to. There's always a Villa player in... Yeah, confidence is massive in in, in football. You know, we've spoke to footballers before. You know know what a part confidence players in football. But a Villa player can just seem to wriggle out of of a, a tight space. And because of the way Villa operate and the way they play, there's always someone in space to pass to. That's the bit that amazes me. I've never seen a Villa team. Players in space? I know that sounds stupid. I've been going to Villa a long, long time. It's something that's always bothered me, that Villa players don't ever seem to pick the ball up in space. Now now they just do because of the rotations and the, and the way they work and the way they move the ball. It's all so measured and precise under Emery now. I find it even, you know, it's not free-flowing at times, but I always find it interesting to watch now, Greg. Yeah, and it was quite interesting last night, actually, because for the first sort of 10, 12 minutes, it wasn't quite working. You know, Leicester brought Mendy in. Uh, dropped Tete to the bench, so, so they had sort of an extra central midfielder. And for a while, Villa were, 
you know, Leicester were just happy to to sort of have every man behind the ball, allow Konza, Mings, um, Moreno, and and and, and sorry, Konza, Mings, and Ashley Young, and to an extent, Moreno, uh, just have the ball in their own half and pass between them. And Villa remained patient at that point, but there was no sort of passing lines. In the, there was no um, space in the middle because Leicester had blocked it all off, but. As the game slightly opened up and Leicester tried to do a little bit more themselves, those gaps those gaps appeared and that's where Villa took advantage. Um, and I think the key for Villa now is being able to mix it up. You know, If you look at the goals, it's a, it's a great example of, of what, what Villa have been trying to do. Cons are on the ball, taking his time with it, waiting for the right pass into midfield and then it's bang, quick into Douglas Luiz, a quick turn into Buendia. He quickly turns himself, plays Watkins in and it's a goal. You know, I mean, a brilliant goal and something that they've worked on really well. But there's loads of little different options that they can do now. We know that they attack uh, frequently through Moreno. That's a. That's He's a, been good. He was good last night. He was our best player. <laughs> it's funny you should say that because a lot of other Villa fans said that, and I'm thinking, am I watching like the wrong game here now? I thought he got, I thought he got forward a lot, but there was a little period in the second half where he kept giving the ball away, and I've noticed that a little bit with him in general. He gives the ball away a lot, but I, I like him. I, I, I'm enjoying watching him. I think that he gives Villa... Um, He's a bit uh, more dynamic at left-back than Luka Yeah, Dane. he gives them an attacking, you know, real clear attacking option. He's really quick. Interviewed him um, a couple of couple of weeks ago and, you know, he said his, his speed is one of the things that really um, helps him. He works on that and, and Emery's been telling him exactly where he needs to play. But as we know, the left-back role is slightly different to the right-back role. The left-back can get forward more often. Um just think he's a little bit careless in, in possession at times, which maybe he needs to work on. Um, but certainly feels like a, a better fit, you know, in terms of form than, than Dino at the moment. I think with Murray, it's a little bit similar to Buende, and he does give the ball away sometimes because he's trying things. He's trying to progress. Mm. He's trying to, trying to move, move critical, the ball forward. Mm. I, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice that last night. You're obviously a better place to watch the game than, than I was last last night, you know, watching it from, from the press box. I didn't notice that. But I do think sometimes when he gives the ball away, it's because he's... He's trying something different. He's, he's trying to unlock a, unlock a defence because he plays high. You know, when yeah, you think about how deep the right back is, the left yeah, back yeah. is high. We need to give him that credit because it's like it's like the same with Bailey. Look, Bailey's given the ball away the most. Bailey's lost possession the most amount of times for Villa. Now, typically that's what happens with wingers. You know, they they do give the ball away the most in the team because they're the creative force. They're asked to go at their man. They're asked to do something a little bit more explosive or or different in the final third. And to be fair, yeah, I do take your point because Moreno is effectively when Villa are attacking a winger. So he's getting in more dangerous positions and it's obviously harder to deliver in those positions. So, yeah, maybe I'm being a little bit too critical. I just feel like if he could be a, a little bit better on the ball, not give possession away as often, poor, my word, would they, would they have a good player there? Yeah, kind of from nowhere that signing as well. No one would have said that we needed a left back at the time as as a as a desperate. I think everyone just wanted a centre forward. In all honesty, at, at that time, but no one really knew the the, the run that Ollie Watkins was was going to go on. But I think Moran has been for the money they paid. It's been a really astute signing. It's been been a really good signing, and that's that's promising because I'm assuming, and it's pretty obvious that he's someone that Emery identified from his time in La Liga as someone that would suit Villa and suit the Premier League. So that's the type of player he's identified. You know, that was a relatively low fee as well. I think we can be excited going into the summer. Just before we go, I just wanted to say, do you think Bertrand Traore will start now at the weekend? Do you think he'll come in for Leon Bailey? I don't think he will. But I think you'll see a longer period on the pitch. I think, you know, when a player has a moment like that, they deserve the chance to build on a little bit of momentum. So... Uh, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Um, you know, Bailey 
Bailey didn't start at Chelsea, did he? So it's not like he's going to be tired for having three games in a week. I do. Th- I'm just not. I'm not entirely convinced on on um, on Traore. I don't think he's really any better than than Bailey. I think they're you know very similar in in terms of what they produce. But yeah, to answer your question, <laughs> um, God, I don't know. In that respect, I, I, I though, you, you know, he probably does. He probably because, deserves a chance, doesn't he? I think just because yeah, the momentum, you know, the goal, the moment, the fact that all the the, uh, the players were, were, you know, were were really rounding rounding him and that the. the uh, supporters were giving him such a good send-off. I think it'd be good for him to have a go in that first half against Nottingham Forest, a team under pressure um, at Villa Park. He might just you know, build on that momentum and, and produce something special again. Yeah, I won't ask you too much about him because I don't want to spoil your piece that's, that's going on The Athletic, but I look forward to reading that this afternoon. And also, I haven't read your piece from this morning yet, so I need to go through and, and read that. I've, I said it was my last question. I've got one more question. Kamara. Because is he is what's going to happen with him? Is he out for a bit? Is he? Do we know? We, we don't know at this stage. No, he he trained very well last week in the build up to the Chelsea game. Um, uh, you know, started obviously at Chelsea, but just just didn't quite feel right. And Emery could re- recognise that he picked up a yellow card and um, in the first half and, and hurt himself getting that yellow card as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was just it just wasn't worth the risk of, of continuing with a player who was A on a yellow card, B a little bit unfit and, and C clearly not ready because he didn't even make the squad um yesterday. So uh it's a couple of reporters asked him about the, the about his injury yesterday and he just said, Look, we don't know at this stage, which to me didn't sound too good. Um mm. because usually if if there's a chance of him um returning then, then Emery does does he's pretty usually pretty honest with with injuries and says, look, you know, we're expecting him to be back in a week or two or or longer. But when he doesn't say anything, that's when it's a usually a bit a bit more of a concern. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, the great thing is at the moment McGinn and away is a, a flourishing <laughs> in, in, in central midfield. Yeah, and it's still Den Donker, still Den Donker to come in as well. You, f- you forget in Emery's first game against Manchester United, Den Donker started. And was good. And he probably yeah. hasn't really started since, but you know he was, he was good in that in, in that game. So yeah, there is options yeah, there. I've got to admit, Kamara hadn't played. Had he? he was yeah. Kamara, Kamara, yeah, Kamara came, came on and then and then played the next game. So yeah, I was a little worried at one point when Watkins stayed down because he's grimacing and it, that did that didn't look good. And I was thinking, oh no, this is an absolute disaster because we would be in trouble if if we lost him at the moment. So that's that's the only that's the only thing that could hurt Villa at the moment is that if they picked up an injury to a, to a key player because they're not blessed with massive depth. Yeah, at the moment, someone the if they lose Watkins, that would be absolutely horrendous. Here, my heart was in my mouth last night, but luckily he got up, carried on, and, and and scored, which is what he seems to be doing at the moment. Greg, thank you ever so much for chatting to me today. Thank you very much to everyone that's watched the eighteen seventy four show, whether you've watched it on YouTube, Spotify, or listened to it elsewhere. Thank you very much. We appreciate the support, and again, thanks for the support on the video last night because the numbers on YouTube, in particular were absolutely ridiculous. Greg and myself will be back with another 1874 post Nottingham Forest at some point, and there'll be all the other usual pre and post match shows as well. So subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on to realize exactly when those videos and audios are coming out wherever you get your podcasts to do all the stuff that you need to do. Give the video a like, comment as well. As I say, I'll try and get more involved in the comments on YouTube because I've not been very good at doing that in the last year or so. What day is it, Greg? Wednesday? Are we on Wednesday now? In- yeah, enjoy the rest of your week and as always, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. 
refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.